0: Welcome to the Then What 3x5 podcast with Then What founder Grant Barth. The goal of this show is simple. We'll invite global creatives, innovators, and business leaders to share their unique perspectives and join us on a journey to find out how industry leading brands are powering growth by exploring the role and influence of art and culture on their organizations. Welcome to our Then What Brand Lab podcast. This is our second series kicking off after our naive beginnings in 2020. Listening back to those early sessions, I found some important reminders about family and values that helped us be more attuned to the world as we move forward. This year, however, we are certainly more knowledgeable and as they say, hindsight is 2020. Uh, We are happy to be on to more optimistic times and then what we're we're really looking forward to this new renaissance which is led by creativity and and innovation this year over the next 12 months our guests will include leaders in creative business who are changing the game as big picture thinkers I can't think of a better person to kick off than our guest, Dwayne Edwards. Dwayne and I have a rich Nike history. However, we only recently met through mutual (laughs) friends. And I feel that uh, waiting until now has allowed us to amplify our separate experience in hopes of something completely new. As a leader in education, uh, Dwayne is creating a new landscape, which I'm really inspired by. So welcome Dwayne and uh, introduce yourself.
1: Thank you, sir. Um, and that—that's typically how the the small industry that we're in it happens. Is we end up meeting each other or people from twenty years later when we, we were right next to them, maybe <laughs> in our previous life. But uh, nist name is Dwayne Edwards, founder of uh, Pencil Academy, uh, here based in Portland, Oregon. Thirty-two um, year footwear industry vet um, that that decided to walk away from the industry in two thousand ten to pursue this crazy idea of creating a school that didn't exist. Um, so I, I had several people's like, wait, you're going to leave the design director of Jordan to teach. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, why not? I mean, somebody has to do it. Uh, so here I am, uh, you know, 11 years later and, and we're still still growing strong and getting bigger and better.
0: It's so good. I mean, I've heard about pencil. I worked with them, you know, we were, were at, um, at Levi's kind of like through mm-hmm. through another group or another team on my team. What was the initial catalyst to start Pencil at the beginning?
1: You know, honestly, I would say it, it goes back to my 17-year-old self. Um, when I was growing up in Inglewood, that, like this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a footwear designer. But back in the mid-80s, there was no Google. There was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. Uh, so all I had was the yellow pages, right? So the big, thick Mm -hmm. book that was by City. Um, and and so, like, I was the crazy kid who wanted to draw sneakers while playing ball and and hanging out with people who were doing wrong things. But I I would say it started there with that desire. Um, and as I was all through high school. The idea of like I want to go to college to design sneakers and I couldn't find a school that specifically specialized in designing sneakers. Growing up in, in in LA, there's you know obviously several apparel schools, but I did not want to do apparel. I specifically wanted to do footwear, and you know fast forward, I got into the industry through a really crazy way, um, and ultimately once I got into the industry. I still realized there were no schools that specifically taught footwear. But then the internet happened and social media happened and people started to figure out my email address when I was working at Nike. And it's, you know, really simple, doing at Nike.com. And so I would get kids sending me their designs, sending me their stories about, hey, you know, could you look at my design and let me know if I can get a job at Nike or can I get a job at Jordan? Uh, and and so as the, as a designer at Nike, you're not supposed to look at you know those submissions um, because they're fearful of someone saying, "Hey, you took my design if a shoe shows up similar." But that was really the 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 birth of it was being able to now see kids nationwide and even in some cases internationally with the same interest that I had when I was seventeen years old, which is this idea of getting into the to the sneaker industry. And, and realizing there still wasn't a school that that was there that could help them get into that in, into our industry I, I actually tried it out as a simple design competition when I when I was at Nike and Jordan um, with the idea of kind of just leveling the playing field it was it was called future soul where it was a nationwide design competition and the first year we had like 800 kids submit, Um, And it was pretty successful. The the second year, it jumped to 10,000. Then the third year jumped to 250,000. And then the fourth year, it got past 800,000 kids that were now nationwide that had an interest in designing sneakers. So simultaneously, I was taking my 10 year sabbatical and I was like, hey, let me test this idea out and see if it could work. And we ended up having well over 500 kids wanting to be a part of a session that we have for 40 students. Two weeks, every day, straight 12, 14 hours a day, exactly the way that you would work at Nike. The kids didn't want to leave. Um, it was an amazing kind of period of time because it, it, it allowed me to fall back in love with design again um, because when you work in the corporate structure, you kind of get used to that cadence and the layers. And being in that space, it just it just made me um, fall back in love with the freedom and creativity that that really design exists. And once that session was over, the kids were sad that it was over. But then I started getting schools contacting me asking, hey, can you come teach this at my school? And that was first one was uh, Parsons in New York and then Art Center in California and then MIT in in Boston um, and then another school in Denmark. And so I'm like, wait. This one little two week class reached all these people, uh, and and so I went back to work um, after my sabbatical was up, and and I, I just knew it wasn't right, and and I, and I told the I told the Jordan Brand I was going to leave, and I'm going to give myself eight months to try to clean up what was left, and then I ultimately walked away um, in 2011 to to do pencil full time. That's amazing.
0: It's I. I'm starting a a similar journey this fall and I'm in the, you know, investigating what education is all about. So it's Uh just really great to learn about that. I know.
1: (laughs) Be be prepared, be prepared, man. Be prepared. It's a lot of things you might not want (laughs) to (laughs) know.
0: One thing I have found is that uh, education, and this is kind of a common theme, education is certainly ripe for Positive uh. disruption, right? <laughs> um, yeah,
1: the bar is low. Uh, no, the bar is no. very, very low. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, what what problems are are you trying to solve? Because I know you're, you know, you're also expanding and yeah. and you've been doing this for a while. So, what problems are you trying to solve?
1: You know, one of the bigger things I noticed working in the corporate environment is kids are not being educated the way that they will work in the industry. And it creates this disconnection between corporations and the the colleges and universities where it's this kind of silly dance where the corporations are waiting for the school to create the curriculum so they can hire better, more kids from it. And then the school's asking the the brand for money to create the curriculum so they can hire kids from, and neither is budgeting, right? And, And so I saw that as a clear kind of gap. To feel, at least in, in our area of footwear. And, and it, so it really is creating uh, an academy as if a company actually created the academy. So we teach exactly the way that you'll work in, in a company. And what that does is it actually empowers the students to focus harder. They pay attention, they pay attention more because they're learning exactly what they wanted to learn in a shorter period of time where the the normal structure it's a lot longer, more drawn out. Um and, and that's why kids are really dropping out and disappearing is because they're bored because they're their their time is filled with a bunch of fluffy classes. I call them fluffy classes that the colleges incorporate into their curriculum just as money stuffers, I call it. Uh, where the kids want a few things differently now. They they want education to be free or or, or less expensive, shorter, more connectivity to brand and industry, um, and, and how can I get access to brand and industry while I'm actually being educated? And so we do all of those things. And, and we do those things in partnership with brands, to whereas our accreditation is not the traditional accreditation agencies, it's the actual companies themselves. Because they're the ones that are really the real accreditors of the talent. They're the talent evaluators, and so everything that we do is so closely connected to industry that you know we're pretty much a professional development academy. And you know, kids come to us, and brands come to us because they they understand what what those kids are going to be like when they get out. I mean, the exciting thing for me is, and, and what
0: I've been missing, I I love to work with young talent. And potential and because I don't have like the time or energy to, to be across so many uh, <laughs> different creative inspiration points. So so I'm really excited to get involved more with, you know, with students and, and learn actually, as well as kind of, you know, pass along uh, knowledge to like a new generation. Um, where do you see the future and
1: what plans are you working on to change learning? Future of education. Oh, that's a big topic, and the future is big because there's so much room to go. But mm-hmm. um, for us, we're gonna we're gonna continue to push the industry to be different. We're gonna push education to also to be different. The first industry push is around diversity, and it's also around how do you evaluate talent. You know, what are the criteria you list for job applications, and how those things create such a bias sometimes and in, in the companies are not always aware of it. So really challenging them to understand who do they really want as future employees and then what are they willing to invest to create the platform and or program to get as close to what they really want as possible when it's time for job interviews. On the other side of the equation, on the college side, what we want to do is really create this certification program that's less about what the, the educational traditional educational governing bodies deem as a, a successful career in education. And it's more about what the companies deem as successful careers in education. And we'll start pushing the limits of what does a, an associate's degree look like? What does a bachelor's look like? What does no degree look like? <laughs> um, you know, what if you can go to college for free? What if you can go to college sponsored by a company? And what if you can get a job within a year of going to college sponsored by a company for free? We wanna basically do all the things that, comp- that uh, education currently is not doing. Those are the things that they're not doing. And, and we wanna always maintain a certain level of independence that we can continue to push both sectors of, of, of the collision, the corporate sector and, and the education sector. And so we're, we're moving forward. We're, we're going to evolve from an academy to a college um, pretty soon. Can't share too much of it right now, but we are evolving from an academy to a college, which is going to be great, um, and, and continue to increase our partnerships with brands to offer careers that are not traditionally taught in traditional colleges and universities. So I think that's that's the other piece that's missing from the equation. There are a lot of jobs that don't have titles within the education and so companies just have to settle for transferable skill sets versus direct skill sets of those particular jobs so
0: you know with the, some people listening in that the title of you know our podcast is really around the importance of brand collaborations but i what i like about this you know we can ask that kind of question next is it's setting a new platform around co-creation and collaboration yeah. and that's what i feel like We've all, you know, we were started at early days, you know, sure. with with collaborating outside of, you know, big brands, Nike in our case, Brand Jordan. But the co-creation piece and actually having brands now come in working with young talent, I see is that's why we wanted to, you know, bring this up today. Yeah. I guess on the more traditional, you know, question like, where is strategic brand collaborations going from your, you know, from your point of view and from the point of view of your students?
1: Yeah, I, I think you know. I, I try to predict what's next. I mean, as a as a designer, you're you're living a few years ahead of time, and, and so sometimes people think what you say is kind of weird or not <laughs> not not tangible. Uh, where I look at the idea of brand endorsers, right? So if you go backwards in in the history of those things, you you usually identify an entertainer or an athlete that has high celebrity status and then you pay them to endorse your product with the idea of that endorsement will gain sales, right? Then it starts to evolve uh, over time into these, these, these people that are called influencers, which they're not celebrities, they're not athletes. They're somewhat normal people that also through leveraging social media and today's platforms, they've gained a level of status and celebrity by endorsing products. Now, what's happened, though, is that became pretty bastardized by the influencers as well as industry. So now consumers don't believe a person that says, hey, they support this brand because they know they're getting paid to say that, right? So I I think that part is creating a a lack of authenticity in, in the concept of influencer marketing. And now what you're starting to see is the evolution of how consumers can start to do things on their own, where if they don't like what a brand is producing, some have the ability to make it on their own and utilize the brand's logo at the same time and post it on social media and gain a following, right? And so you have those who are normal consumers who have the ability to create, they now become an influencer, but they're normal people who just have a special gift and or a talent. The next version of that will be it. continue to get closer and closer, in my opinion, to the normal person, the person who is actually the bigger number who purchases product. They will be your most valuable asset, not just as a consumer, they'll also be your most valuable asset as a co-creator as well. The challenge is, will the brands reach out to those normal people to be co-creators of product for a bigger subset? of consumers. I just think that the the most important people in the equation will actually get to really be the most important people, the people who are buying the product. They're not always treated as the most important person. Now, I think they will be because they are now the co-creators or should be the co-creators of
0: product. Yeah, I think that's a big one. Like this, this collaboration and co-creation is starting to be yeah. kind of the new word. And, um, and yeah, like I like where where that's where that's going because I think it also brings in customization, personalization, yeah. everything else. So I can see the two merging down the road and and maybe, you know, the strategic partnership is more around how culture is adopting or, or telling your brand narrative. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's where collaboration, the co-creation around the product is yeah. gonna be maybe more intimate, more interesting, and even more limited.
1: And, and more authentic i mean it it's it's going to come from a more authentic place that is not a paid endorsee or a fake paid endorsement either it's going to be real people creating real products for real people
0: so last question is like of all the uh collaborations uh past current wow. and even future like what's your what's been your favorite
1: you know it's it's that's a tough one man because i am I still design, but I really like the creativity of business and how people apply creativity to business. I remember hearing this story around um, and I might butcher it a bit, but I love the creative idea that was that supported this collaboration, and it was the it was it was around the AIDS epidemic many years ago, and how some of these these I can't remember what country it was, but this country that obviously had a higher case. Um, than most countries, they were getting Pepsi, not Pepsi, Coke. They were getting Coke distributed to this country and at, at huge numbers. And to help combat some of the AIDS problems, they partnered with a condom company. And so as they were shipping Coke bottles and Coke cans into this country, they also included condoms as well where it reached, a, it reached the same customer base that they, they collaborated on this idea of saving lives. And they mm-hmm. collaborated on this idea of saving lives through two separate products that reached the same person, but utilizing this distribution stream that was going to happen anyway. And I thought that was just a brilliant way of understanding, hey, you know what, it's already going there and you're shipping them at this crazy rate and it's the same target customer. Why don't we collaborate and do something that's going to change some lives? And and so I've always looked at that collaboration as a very smart business decision, but I also saw it as a very smart human decision. That's really
0: great. The This whole, you know, people think that leading a brand through values and purpose and Then collaborating on a much bigger idea is something that's new, and um, but it's a good that's a good story about yeah this has actually been around for a long time if you dig deep and maybe it was just about doing the right thing which I think ultimately is where this was
1: they they had a need to get this product in the hands of the people and they couldn't get it they they couldn't get it to those people fast enough and and so by partnering with someone who does it then it worked out. So it wasn't necessarily a product collaboration. It was it was more of a, a brand strategy and consumer collaboration. I love that. Well,
0: that is a great way to close today's podcast. It's great to keep it kind of short and sweet. And I know your time is super valuable. Dwayne. it's always a pleasure. Uh, I'm always excited when I see your name pop up on the phone, on text, and have a time during the week to to think outside the box.
1: So thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank you, man. I appreciate the invite and, and you know, you're gonna become a podcast guy uh, pretty, pretty <laughs> soon. You're good at it though. So, but no, thank you again for today. I appreciate the invite. Absolutely, thanks. Uh, thank you.